Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, patient. Good morning. How are you? Good. How's it going? Fine. Thank you. Happy uh, Palm Sunday to everybody. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we want to welcome you at the Cliffside Church, and uh, we welcome those who are here. Some of us are here, and the majority that are following us online, and we hope that you guys are doing well. Yes, indeed. Hey, we want to know, we want you to know that th we know things are tight right now, so we want to thank you so much for your continued generosity, your giving of your resources. Many of you have been using those online uh, electronic avenues and those instruments to continue to keep in touch and to keep connected, and we want to uh, tell you that we appreciate that. There are two things that are part of our core values here at Flipside. Number one, we value an invisible kingdom. The Bible says walk by faith and not by sight, and in times like these... That is very important to do. And then the second one is we value irrational generosity when the world, at a time when the world says hoard, we say give. So we want to continue to do that. So again, thank you for those resources like hand sanitizer, disinfectant wipes, and of course, the holy grail of resources, toilet paper. Thank you so much for that. If you know of anybody who is in need of those resources, please let us know. Okay, yeah, I just want also to let you know that the church, actually, the staff are working very, very hard so that you guys can have a great experience online by following and by listening to the message, do all the Bible studies. I can guarantee you that is not easy. Even though everything is shut down, we are thought about that this, this week. Everything is completely shut down. We, we close our jobs, schools, everything except heaven. And because heaven is still open, we we'll continue to spread the love of God too, even online. Yeah, so next Sunday, Easter's coming up. We're going to be doing an online Easter service, so we invite you to join in at 10 o'clock again. We've got some really cool stuff. I mean, the staff has been chomping at the bit because this is unlike any Easter we've ever done. So we came up with some really cool stuff for you and your family to do this Easter. The first thing is we have an Easter egg hunt that is the only Easter egg hunt in the ranchos, and it's unlike any Easter egg hunt you've done before, in that it is all a, a photo taking pictures of your family driving around, doing that type of stuff. We're going to have a packet for you tomorrow that you can pick up between 10 and 2, Monday between 10 and 2. Also, we came up with something, because we couldn't stop there, you know, we've got to take, you know, push it. So we came up with something we're calling a COVID can. So no negative connotations intended, but it's called the COVID can. And what this is, is a can that looks like this. And inside of it, there are strips of paper. And on each strip of paper, there is an individual task, challenge, item, whatever, for you and your family members to do. So each night, you take the can out, and somebody, one, one, a, member from, a member of the family, buy, gets an item out of here. So patient, would you care to accept the challenge? Uh, okay. So you read what's on the item, and... You do what's on the item. Okay. Um, my, it's okay. Tell, tell us something you learn about your family during this day home. Yeah. Ooh, dangerous. Okay. Yes, I just learned a couple things about my family. First, that my daughter is beautiful like her mom, mm -hmm. but she's like me. She gets bored so easily. My wife can stay home for 10 years. She doesn't matter. She doesn't, she doesn't know, want to go out at all. But me and my daughter, I think we cannot take it anymore. Yeah. He became so, and then on top of that, she became not only bored easily, she's coming to me to ask me 1,000 questions oh, yeah. per second. Remember those days I've, well. I, I've been, I even called Pastor Jeff. I told him that. I said, I don't know, but my head is going to explode now. Yeah. Dad, what is that? Why, Dad, Dad? Oh, no. Can you stop for a second? <laughs> but, you know, this is what, something that I learned. I learned that sometimes we ask for things, 
Like, oh, I want to stay home. I want to work with, to be with my family. Yeah, I, I want to be with them, but I feel like I want to go somewhere also for a couple hours too. But I have a feeling some other people have experienced something similar to that. Yeah. Hey, as you're going through these challenges, be sure you take a lot of pictures. Post those to our social media avenues. You saw a slide up at the beginning that gave the handles for all of those. We would love to see how you guys have gotten creative with our creativity. So it's going to be a blast. We're looking forward to Easter. So patient, will you pray for us? Yes, because during this time, is, everything is different. I will try to also pray today to a, in a different language. I love it. The last time I prayed in French, but today I'm going to pray in Lingala. It's one of the very popular language to can pray with me, please. God, we say thank you because we believe that you hear our prayers. As the Bible says, you hear the prayers, that's why all the nations come to you. God, we're bringing ourselves to you, Yahweh. We bring our nation before your throne. Yahweh, we're bringing the world before your throne. We say, God, we are nothing without you. Yahweh, today, speak to us, Yahweh. Use your servant, Yahweh, the man of God, Pastor Carl, Yahweh. Send a message, a message that you can bring hope in our life. You can bring correction in our life. You can open our eyes so we can see and we can learn more about you, Yahweh, God. Thank you. Thank you for being a faithful father. Thank you for continuing taking care of us, Yahweh, even in the mix of this difficult moment. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as we move forward in service, let's spend some more time worshiping together.
no reason to ever fear anything because we know that all we have to do is trust in you. God, I pray that we can take that with us. This assurance that you're always going to be there for us, God, that you always are looking out for us, that you're always leading us somewhere. God, we love you so much. Help us to continue loving you even more. Open up our hearts to hear Carl helps to draw closer to you in this time together, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Thank you. Hey, um, you left some resources up here on my deal. That's okay. I'll take care of them. Just uh, understand, this little thing here is going to be fun. We have this on our website. You can download your little picture or come tomorrow at between 10 and 2 and pick these up. Color these, paint them. Put them in your window at your house. Everybody's doing that little teddy bear in a window, and kids drive around looking for it. This is our Easter egg hunt, so take advantage of that. And these little cans here, that's a fun little thing, too. There's 60 things to do in there. Caleb, are you going to do those at home? You're going to paint an egg yourself? I'll bet you will. Hey, uh, <laughs> Ephesians 3. I, I, would, I, would just, I was thinking about this just this morning. It says, I can approach God's throne of grace with freedom and confidence. I can approach his throne with God himself with freedom and confidence. And so I can certainly preach to a bunch of mortals with freedom and confidence. So you ready? I'm going to get on it today. Yeah, okay. So here we go. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever gone to sleep in one world and woke up in a different one? Like you go to sleep and you got a job and you wake up and you're unemployed. <laughs> you go to sleep and, and you got money in the bank. You wake up and you're broke. You go to sleep, and you got friends all around you. You wake up, and it seems like you got the virus. <laughs> Jesus would soon experience a moment like that. As you read the Bible, and as I read, as I read the, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, <clears throat> it seems as though that Jesus had so many times when he could have promoted himself, when he could have, when he could have showed the world, this is who I am. So many times when, when he would do incredible signs and wonders and miracles and people wanted to promote it, they wanted to elevate him, they wanted to tell everybody. And over and over it seems like he said, no, no, not yet. Don't tell anybody. Don't promote me. Don't elevate me. There were a couple times when he actually said, my hour hadn't come. This isn't my time. And it would seem to me that if Jesus really wanted to show the world who he was, he had plenty of opportunity. But he constantly, it appears as though he was constantly missing moments. 
neglecting opportunities. And, and I started thinking about that, and, and I realized Jesus never missed an opportunity. He was never negligent. He, was, he certainly wasn't ignorant of the time. Rather, he was keenly aware of moments. And he was strategically positioning himself for his moment. Jesus often said, my hour hasn't come, my time hadn't come. But there would be a time when his hour did come. And it's on this day that what we call Palm Sunday. There's a few different instances in Jesus' life that's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There, there are a few instances of his life and what he did, and they're told from different perspectives, but all four of them felt it was so important that all four would write down for us things about his life. Palm Sunday is one of those things where all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record it from different perspectives, and I want to share this morning the Palm First, chapter 12. And John 12, verses 12 through 18 says this, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. What festival? The festival of the Passover feast. We'll talk about that in just a minute. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which means save. They're crying out, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They're actually quoting scripture from Psalm 118 that was written about this coming Messiah. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. That's the fulfillment of what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah centuries before. And at first his disciples didn't understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. Do you ever have those moments where you don't realize what's going on in the moment? You're just confused and it doesn't make sense till afterwards? That's exactly what the disciples were going through right now. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. That's John's perspective of this moment, the Palm Sunday moment. Luke says it this way. After Jesus had said these things, he was got done talking, he went on ahead going on to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. Those who went ahead went and found it just as he told them. And they were, as they were untying the colt, the owners asked, why are you untying this? They replied, well, the Lord needs it. So they brought to Jesus, throw their cloaks on the colt, and put, it, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place, where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of, of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. They said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, quoting from Psalm 118, then they say, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're actually quoting what the angels told the shepherds. It's almost word for word. So they kind of know who he is now. He's been revealed. They're quoting these 
ancient prophecies of the one who would come, this Messiah. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd told Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're saying, make them shut up. They shouldn't be saying these things. And Jesus says, if they keep quiet, I'm going to make the rocks get a voice because somebody's going to praise me today. <laughs> he says, if they be quiet, the rocks are going to shout out, shout out. This is my hour. This is my day. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you had only knew, if you'd only known that this day was the day where we bring you peace. Why did he choose this moment? Why did he choose this hour? Why did he choose this day to finally reveal who he was? This is Palm Sunday. We call it Palm Sunday because of this story. This was the Sunday before the crucifixion. This is why Jesus chose this day. And now I geek out on some of this stuff, so just bear with me on this, but I want to explain to you why this day was the day. According to the book of Exodus, this day, this great Passover day, was to happen in the day that they call the 10th of Nisan. Their months were called different than our months, and their month was called Nisan, and this day was to occur, according to the book of Exodus, on the 10th of this day, this month, the 10th of Nisan. When we translate it into our day, it ends up being the 6th of April, Sunday, the 6th of April. This day was four days before the great feast of the Passover. And the Passover feast is when everybody, every family celebrating the Passover feast would bring a lamb into Jerusalem for the Passover sacrifice. It was the, it was the festival that celebrated and commemorated the great Passover work of God when God's people were in Egypt, in captivity. And then the final move of God that would finally convince Pharaoh to let his people go, God said, I'm going to cause the angel of death to, to move through Egypt. And the way you escape this angel of death is to have the blood of a lamb over the doorpost of the entrance of your house. And when the angel of death sees the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your house, he will pass over that house. He will pass over the judgment. And so in celebration of that, that's why it's called the Passover. In the celebration of that, every family celebrating that event in Israel's history would bring a lamb to Jerusalem that would be sacrificed in the Passover, commemorating the blood of the lamb over their homes. And they would bring this lamb starting on the 10th of Nisan. And for four days, those lambs would be inspected to make sure that those lambs were without flaw, without blemish, without fault. Thousands of lambs would be brought into Jerusalem. The city would swell to a million plus people. And it was on this day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the Lamb of God in fulfillment of Psalm 118, in fulfillment of the prophecies of Zechariah. This moment was the hour. Now here's what is, again, so significant about this. History tells us that this day was April 6th. As when it happened when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. This day was prophesied hundreds of years prior by Daniel when he was captive in Babylon. We know from Scripture that in Daniel 9, when God's people were in captivity again, not in Egypt this time, but in Babylon, that Daniel, one of God's servants, served the Babylonian government. And during his servant, while his people were in captivity in Babylon, 
the angel of the Lord visited Daniel and told Daniel, Daniel, God's going to set his clock of when the Messiah will be revealed to the world. And the angel told Daniel, get this, the angel told Daniel that his clock will start the moment the king announces the release of God's people to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and restore the city. That's when when the king announces you're released to go do that. That's when God's timetable starts. And the angel told Daniel this. He said there will be 69 seven-year cycles and then the Messiah will be revealed. 69 seven-year cycles when they, from what, the time the king gives the order to be released to the time that the Messiah will be revealed. 69 seven-year cycles. Now, what we don't understand is this. The Babylonian calendar ran on a 360-day year. So what God was saying is this, 69 seven-year cycles of a 360-day calendar year, if you do the math, that's 173,880 days. God said in 173,880 days from the time the king gives the command to be released to go rebuild the wall to the time that the Messiah will be revealed will be 173,880 days. Now, history tells us, this is historic. It was March 14th, 445 B.C. that the Persian king Artaxerxes gave the command to Nehemiah to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall and restore the city. So you take the starting point, according to what the angel told Daniel, 69 cycles, seven-year cycles, the starting date historically, that command was given March 14th, 445 B.C., and go forward 173,880 days, lands us on, guess what, this very day. April 6th, 32 A.D., the day of the great Passover. This was Jesus' day. This was the moment. Now, I geek out on that stuff because I look at that and think just historically, historically, this stuff is trustworthy. See, we oftentimes get into moments where we think, God, you're missing a chance. You're missing a moment. Like we're in a time, like you could do so much right now. And we think God is negligent, late, or sleepy. Like he's missing. And Jesus says, I'm not missing a thing. I'm not late. I'm not negligent. Matter of fact, Jesus would say this. You're missing it. Luke 19, 42. If you had known that this day was the day. See, it happens so often when we get in times of difficulty, times of trouble, times of pain, times of disappointment. We think God is missing our moments. We think, God, but don't you understand? This is what I need from you. This is what I want from you. This would be such a blessing, like if you would only now. And we end up thinking, well, maybe he's late. Maybe he missed it. Maybe I'm out of zip. Because we want things done on our schedule. We want things done according to our timetable. And Jesus says, I'm not missing a thing. I have a day, I have an hour. He says, your problem is you're missing me. See, what I know is this, is that the real Jesus is right on time. Every time. Jesus won't miss the opportunity. And he won't miss your opportunity. 
If you've been in a holding pattern, even before the virus, you've been in a holding pattern. You're always a day late and a dollar short. You're always right on the cusp, but never right there. It's always, you're this close, but not quite. It may just, if it feels like things never line up in your faith, it might just be that Jesus is orchestrating the moment of your favor. Romans 8, 28. For we know that God works all things together for good. We know that. You're not going to miss a moment. You're not going to miss your moment. Don't walk away from Jesus because you might be walking away from your moment. Do you understand? As Jesus rode into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, people shouted his praises. Everybody was a Jesus fan on this day. But Jesus knew just as quickly they would be demanding his crucifixion. Don't you know that? Understand this. Some of you know this inherently, but you haven't put words to it. I'm going to put words to it. Just because people are with you doesn't mean they're for you. You need to understand that. Just because people are with you doesn't mean they're for you. You might got a lot of people around you right now. Don't assume that all those people around you are for you. Jesus understood that. It's real interesting to me that times of trouble, times of difficulty reveal very quickly who's with you and who's for you and the difference between the two. If you think you got a lot of people for you, you just go through some hard times. You'll find out real quick if they're for you or not. See, it's real easy to cheer from the stands when the team's up 35 to nothing, but it's something totally different to be in the trenches with you doing a battle. There's something real different. Like you might have had a lot of people with you before the virus, but you'll find out who's for you because those who are with you but not for you won't show their toilet paper. You find out real quick who's with you and who's for you. Things start going bad. Their attitude starts getting nasty towards you. They might be with you, but they ain't for you. Jesus understood this. See, there's parade people and there's cross people. It's one thing to shout at the parade. It's something totally different to stand at the foot of the cross. It's a vast difference between the two. But see, it's the same Jesus who said, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Also said, take up your cross and follow me. You can't just cheer for me at the parade. You've got to stand with me at the foot of the cross. The thing I love about Jesus is even when we don't, his mercy and grace are profound. These people in Jerusalem, they missed their opportunity to proclaim Jesus. To not just proclaim as the eternal Lord, the Messiah, but to proclaim it as their personal Lord, their King. See, each of us are given opportunities to proclaim Jesus as the eternal King that pays the eternal price of our sin, but to also claim it as our personal king, our Lord, our master. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Luke 19, 41. Another great year. No, just kidding. Had to throw that in there. 1941 is a great year. Anyway, as he approached Jerusalem, as he approached the city, he saw the city. And what did he do? He's got all these people cheering for him. He's got all these people shouting his praises. He approached the city. 
and he wept over it. Do you know there's three times in Scripture that records Jesus weeping? Actually, there's two times that records him weeping, and one we know about later from the book of Hebrews looking back at his life. The first one that records Jesus weeping is that is in Luke, or sorry, in, in, in John 11 at the tomb of Lazarus, before Lazarus was raised. And Jesus before that tomb, and he, it says that, the Bible says that he weeps. Well, understand, Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus died. Because don't you know that Jesus believed in heaven? I mean, he had just come from there. He didn't, he didn't cry. He didn't weep because Lazarus died. Because Jesus knew about eternal life. He knew Lazarus. He weeped because all the people around him lacked faith. The other time it records that Jesus wept is right here. Luke 19. As he looks at the city. And he's about to reveal who he is. And he knows that they're going to deny his lordship. See, those are the two times that records for us that Jesus wept. See, I, I want us to understand that my heart is what grieves Jesus more than my behavior. Please understand that it's our heart that grieves Jesus more than our behavior. In John 11, he wept because they lacked faith. In Luke 19, he wept because there was a lack of lordship. Understand that when I lack faith, I doubt his ability. And when I deny his lordship, I reject his authority. And that's what Jesus weeps over more than my behavior. When I lack faith, I doubt his ability. And when I deny his lordship, I reject his authority. See, he cares more about what happens in my heart than what happens through my hands. He cares about what happens through my hands, but only as it's a result of what happens within my heart. So his first concern is what happens in my heart, because what happens in my heart is going to direct my hands. Now, what happens with my hands is important, but only as it reflects what's already happened in my heart. And so what grieves Jesus more than the work of my hands is the attitude of my heart. And when I doubt in, his, in faith, I reject his ability. And when I when I deny his lordship, I reject his authority. Those are issues of the heart before they ever show up in my hands. And that's what makes Jesus cry. See, Jesus calls us into submission. Now, submission isn't a bad word, and it's not a sign of forfeiture. And it's not a sign of defeat. Jesus calls us to submit to him in faith. Because the real Jesus understands what I sacrifice when I don't. See, submission puts us in a position of freedom and a position of power. It liberates us. Jesus wants us to submit to him and his ways. They're not burdensome and they're not heavy. They're light. I'll tell you what's heavy. I'll tell you what's burdensome is religion. Religion is heavy. Religion is burden. Religion says this. Make sure that you do this, 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 and this, and make sure you don't do that, 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 and that. Because if you do this, 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 and this, and you don't do that, 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 and that, then you're okay. Here's the problem. How do you know you've done enough good of this, 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 and this, and you've not done enough of that, 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 and that? How do you know? You might be doing better at this, 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 and this, and not doing that, 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 and that, and someone you're sitting next to, but you're probably not doing as well at this, 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 and this, and not doing that, 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 and that, and somebody else. How do you know? That's religion. That's how confusing it is. You want me to repeat that? No, not good. But that's how confusing it is. Like, how do you know? And so Jesus doesn't want to submit to that. That's ridiculous. He wants to submit to two things. Love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love, love each other. 
Whatever actions and responses we have to people and priorities, if they're in line with loving God as revealed in his word, and if they're in line with loving people as ex- according to his word, that's all God asks. See, this freedom is not a license to liberality. It's a liberty to live by grace. Where we're free to live freely apart from performance. And it's beautiful. And so what makes Jesus weep is when we deny that lordship. Because it robs him of that authority to release us. In John 12, 16, this this whole account of him coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. At first, the disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him, that these things had been done to him. They understood, get understand that, and this is what we've got to understand. Understanding happened afterward. See, we understand in reverse. We trust in fast forward. We trust in advance. Here, here's what I want us to understand. In, 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 the, in the kingdom of God, in, in the worldview, in God's worldview, don't expect understanding to fuel your trust. Just let that sink in. Don't expect understanding to fuel your trust. In God's economy, according to the biblical worldview, trust must be in place before there's understanding. That's why it's called trust. See, we have a tendency to know what's going on, how it's going to happen, how long it's going to last, and if we agree with that, then we'll trust it. But that's not how it works in God's economy. We have to learn to trust before there's understanding. That's called faith. And it's really, really important. His disciples didn't understand this while it was happening. They'll understand it later looking back. Our goal is to, under, is to trust it in advance before we're past it. The next day, as Jesus is entering this Jerusalem, the great crowd had come for the festival. They heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. I mean, they're all gathered around him shouting his praise. Everybody loves Jesus at this point. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Everything is good at this point. The crowd loves him. They're on his side. They would do anything for him at this point. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. They love what he's just done. I mean, the stock market is high. Everybody's healthy. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed these signs, went out to meet him. Understand this. Don't allow circumstances around you to determine what happens in you. Don't allow circumstances around you to determine what happens in you. See, Jesus understood that though they cheered him at the triumphal entry, a week, less than a week later, they would jeer him. The love would turn to hate. The cheers would turn to jeers. See, when our emotions ride, 
on the circumstances around us or the opinions of others around us. We'll be up one moment and down the next. We'll be positive one moment and negative the next. Hopeful one moment, hopeless the next. Jesus knew that though the crowds cheered him now, the cross was but a few days away. But even while he's looking at the cross, even knowing what was coming, he was not fearful. Did you know this? That it's nearly impossible to be strategic when you're scared. It's nearly impossible to be strategic when you're scared. Jesus was looking forward at the cross, fearless, in complete control of his capacities. How? Romans 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross. For the joy set before him went through Christ. For the joy set before him went through these perilous times without fear. Jesus did not endure the cross because of the cheers of the crowd. He endured the cross because there was a joy that was set before him. And his eyes were on that joy, a joy that was so deep and so profound, not even the cross could take it away. There was a joy in what he was accomplishing for us. His joy was in knowing that even in the midst of a crisis and torture, he was in the divine will of the Father somehow. With, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know what that word endure means? It's an important word. That word endure means this, to persevere bravely and calmly. Don't you think that's what we need to be doing right now in these days? Persevering bravely and calmly. For the joy set before him, he persevered bravely and calmly. You want to be able to look danger in a mouth? You want to be able to look the lion in the teeth? You want to be able to look peril in the eyes? You want to be able to go through times of trouble and crisis and uncertainty? Bravely and calmly, you know what the secret is? The secret's choosing joy. The secret's choosing joy. The secret is to be able to look at those times and for joy set before us. What is our joy set before us? Heaven. See, there's got to be a deeper access point to joy than the circumstances of life or the opinions of people. There's got to be a deeper access point to that. Philippians 4. Paul says, from a jail cell, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again because some of you didn't hear me. Rejoice. It's a command to rejoice. See, we've got to be able to choose joy and to choose attitudes of joy and words of joy and a mindset of joy regardless of the circumstances that we're in. Let me, here's, here's a question. How do you respond when things go bad? This is a tough one for me to answer. How do you respond when things go south? How do you respond when they don't go your way? How do you respond when some how do you respond when things Nehemiah 8 says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not the joy of the stock market, not the joy of other people's opinions, not the joy of the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I will rejoice even when they go bad. Not that they go bad, but even when they go bad. See, Jesus says, as recorded for us in John 16, 
He says, in this world you will have trouble, and in this world you will have suffering. So the, the, our, our issue is not how to escape suffering, because that will never happen. There's the deal. The only way you escape suffering is to die. <laughs> you got a relationship with Jesus. That's the only way you escape suffering. Because you die, and then you go to heaven. So because we will suffer in this world, it's important for us to choose how we're going to go through it. To go through suffering with despair is the forfeiture of all that God has supplied for us. To, to go through suffering with joy is endurance. Bravely and calmly. To go through without being shaken. No fear. See, Jesus knew what was coming after this day. Jesus knew the pain that was on the horizon. Jesus knew the torture that was but a few days away. But he had a joy in him that would last far beyond this day. Now I want you to think about this. Those without a relationship with Jesus, this is the only heaven they'll experience. That's depressing. But those with a relationship with Jesus, this is the only hell you'll experience. That ain't so bad. You understand? Because the joy set before us. I know we're in times of crisis. I know we're in times of pain. I know things are difficult. I know there's a lot of insurity. But the, uh, because of the joy set before us, what joy? The joy of heaven. We will endure calmly and bravely with joy. That's who God's people are. The corona won't steal my joy. The crashing stock market won't steal my joy. Your opinion of me won't steal my joy. So proclaim, I will be joyful. I will rejoice. I will endure calmly and bravely. I will not be afraid. This is the hallmark of what it means to be a Christ follower. In the midst of the pain of Friday, Jesus wasn't afraid because he knew Sunday was coming. He knew that. He could look at the pain of Friday and not be afraid and still be joyful because he knew Sunday was but a few days away. There's no fear on a Friday because Sunday's around the corner. See, here's what I want us to understand. We've got to get this. God's people have always fearlessly navigated moments that would make other people tremble. We've got to get this. God's people have always fearlessly navigated moments of peril and threat that would make other people tremble. That's who we are. That's who we are. God has asked his people repeatedly to go fearlessly into moments of peril. God has always asked his people to go fearlessly into moments of crisis and threat. It's part of what is being part of the kingdom. That's part of what that means. If we're going to be part of God's kingdom, jumped into the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo hopped into an oven. Stephen looked at the angry mob without fear. Paul stood before the Sanhedrin without fear. If God asked all his people to go fearlessly into moments of threat, he's got to ask it of Jesus too. And so Jesus went into his moment of threat without fear. Jesus went into this day with fans all around him. He would wake up four days later in a very different world, knowing that was on the horizon, knowing what was coming. He still went into it with joy and with fearlessness. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, there is nothing better than being able to follow this leader through life. There's nothing better. It is completely unshakable. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's unshakable. Because he is. Now, here's the thing. Fear might be riding with you, but make it ride in the back seat. Don't let it drive your car. You might feel fear, the emotion of fear. Just don't live in it. I get it. This might be times of fear for you. I understand. I understand the emotion of it. I understand the feeling of it. But God's people are called to navigate it. Calmly. Resourcefully. Fearlessly. Because we know that the worst that happens is heaven. The worst that happens is heaven. So we choose to live with joy. And we choose to live in these moments without fear. And we choose to live with our eyes on an invisible kingdom. So believe with me and trust with me. We ought to be the ones leading the way in these times. Because our joy and our peace are purchased by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. And it is far too precious a gift to give away to fear. It's too precious. Come up here, band. You, you guys got to get up here. I'm going to keep going. Note this. Please understand this. How we choose to live in these days. How our faith determines our outlook in these days. How our confidence in Christ determines our behavior and our actions in these days. The choices and attitudes that we live with in these days, the faith that we live in in these days will determine the stories that are told about us to our children and our grandchildren. How we choose to live by faith in these days will determine the stories that are told about us to the next generation. Let's give them something to talk about. Do you understand? Don't live in fear. Don't live in trepidation. Choose joy in the midst of this day. Choose to trust before you understand. Choose the way of Jesus, not the way of fear. Let's give the world something to talk about. This is Palm Sunday. On Friday, Jesus would face the cross, but he faced it with confidence and joy, knowing that Sunday is coming. Be unmovable. Be unshakable. Go through this time with great confidence and faith and be fearless. Father, thank you for this day. Jesus, thank you for this day, that this was your day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to follow you fearlessly, to follow you boldly, to go into it without fear, to be fearless in this moment. You could look at the cross with joy and with certainty, knowing for the joy set before you was worth doing. God, the joy set before us is heaven. Let us walk through these days with confidence and fearlessness, with joy set before us, because we know that Sunday's coming. Thank you.